may ask, what are the odds, right? What are the odds? Well, that's why we're here to answer those questions. Answer the question. We don't care if you win or lose the game. I don't care. Just cover the spread. Now, here's Aton Shander. This is beginning to be unfair. <laughs> Maybe it's okay for you out there, but it's beginning to get a little unfair for me. Once again, back-to-back weeks only on tonight, and man, I'm going to try to jam everything in as much as humanly possible because the next time after tonight you and I speak, the Philadelphia Eagles will have moved on after hosting the Seattle Seahawks Sunday night, but there's a bunch of stuff that's going to happen before that. And we have to hit as much as humanly possible, including, of course, the Orange Bowl tonight. There's a lot going on in-game, mind you, between Cal and Illinois. The other game is Louisville uh, trying to hold on with Mississippi State, a very low-scoring both Mind you, low-scoring games, maybe none more than that Louisville game is. That total was around the mid-60s. But beyond all of that, we have a gigantic weekend in both college football and the NFL. And I'll try to balance what happened with me living through a couple of good things, a couple of bad things. It was tough. We all, from a sports betting standpoint, took a hit on something over the weekend. Chances are you had action sprinkled around, and it was way too much going on. Just simply way too much, way too many variables happening in order for this to be a truly 100% profitable. If you throw in college football, the bowls, the NFL, a couple of major letdowns. My goodness, I'm trying to think. The last time we spoke, think about this. The last time we spoke was a week ago. December 23rd, the Hawaii Bowl, yet to happen. The Hawaii Bowl, where I guarantee you I wasn't the only one staying up until the stroke of midnight, Wednesday morning, Christmas Day, to see the finale of that game where if you were riding Hawaii, like me, in-game, like me, pre-game, like me, going from the minus to the plus, you're looking around thinking, really? Am I going to watch a kid throw for 400 yards, five TDs in the first half, disintegrate, and turn into Tim Tebow? Is this really going to happen? Meanwhile, BYU gets hosed at least 10 points on the board. All of that. Think about that's the next day, and I know I'm not the only one, the only one out there that stayed up late to watch that with live action, and it was the only game in town. You saw a couple of other crazy games in college play out. But what happened yesterday in the NFL was a masterpiece. It truly was a masterpiece. And we're going to look at where we stand right now ahead this weekend with a couple of games and odds lines that have already opened up. And, of course, a big college football game tonight with two going on, mind you, right now. And it's all part of our top three bets. No matter the sport, no matter the season, we've got you covered. From the data to the drama, it all factors into our top three bets of the night. One thing to look at as we're going to expand this since we're only on one night this week. Usually when we have a Monday night, even without Monday night football, there's an opportunity to breathe. We're coming back. 
There is something happening in the NBA that I think is worthy of mentioning now ahead of the big board that we usually hit in about 50 minutes, 45 minutes technically. And we'll have our weekly chat with Adam Thompson, who once again finishes the regular season as one of the hottest NFL prognosticators on the planet We'll go out to Vegas. Greg Peterson of the VEASAN Network will join us. Does a fantastic job out there from all sports at 7.30. So we have a full hour here. You, myself, at Shander Show on Twitter. So you follow along. One thing to look at, and it's in the NBA, and I was tempted to wait until we got to the big board. So I'll repurpose it when we look at actual games tonight when it comes to the NBA, college, and college but the Bulls and Bucks are going at it, and Milwaukee is only laying seven right now. And it's interesting to jump in if you want, and if you're interested at all. This is where that term applies. Bulls had their best, one of their best shooting nights of the season against the Atlanta Hawks, who play less defense than the New York Giants. And you go from shooting the lights out Everything going in. Michael Jordan, six threes against the... Everything is going in nonstop. Well, you can't miss. Even if you wanted to miss, you're taking risks, and they're just splash. Okay, some of it is the fact that that defense stinks. The other part of it is, you're going up against a team now. The flip side of it is the total opposite. To go up against Milwaukee... The game after, you explode on basically nobody. You probably had more one-on-Os out there than you had one-on-Ones or anybody else guarding you. It's a very difficult transition to go through. It is. And the Bucks are only laying seven. It's not, honestly, I don't think that you're going to see a tight game here for a while at all. Bucks are fully healthy. Bledsoe's back. And you can't really say the same thing with Chicago tonight. And defensively, we know that whatever a team does, it's just rare to find a team right now in the NBA that has the combination of talent and scheme. And to be honest, we're talking about the NBA, so scheme is definitely lesser or secondary. But it's very rare that you'll find a team that has that combination to where they give the Bucks fits. So where they cause the Bucks problems when Milwaukee's on defense. Doesn't mean Milwaukee's unbeatable. Clearly, they're not. They're not unbeatable. They have lost this year. They'll lose. They'll lose again. Tonight's not one of them. They won't lose by less than seven. It's a really interesting look at where we are at this part of the season where that type of trend starts to apply. End of December, you've got a couple of months of basketball in. Now, coming off of a night in which you hit everything against a team, and this is the combination that we tried to mine some value here and play off of. The team that you're going up against tonight versus the team that you went up against when you hit everything is a complete 180. Total 180 degrees difference. And there's value there. Now, there's in-game value right now as Cal, Illinois have resumed. And we'll get to the Orange Bowl as well. And I am curious to see where this Yale-North Carolina line is. Because when I got in, or at least tried to get in, it was 7.5. And, and there was so much action happening. And I was thinking, all right, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to wait. 
I waited about 20 minutes and it dropped to six and a half. It has yet to move, so it's still at six and a half, and I think there's value there. Sharp money appears to be moving this line. And by seven o'clock tonight, which is about 50 minutes from now, you may see this move even more. You may see Yale lose another point. And if it drops to five and a half, that tells you that this heavy money, sharp money, continues to pour in on Yale. We've brought Yale up a couple of times. UNC, as far as their health is concerned, always going to be an issue. This is clearly not a team that, uh, I think at least in this game, when you see a six-point spread. Now, granted, I don't, I don't, nor would I suggest you take Yale in a money line situation here. But getting six and a half... Even down to five and a half, I think you've probably crossed that. But it opened at seven and a half and moved. We'll keep an eye on that as well. The in-game action right now, more so, I think, on the totals here. Mississippi State and Louisville in the third quarter, 14-10. This thing, what's really the key here is that this thing was around, I think, 65 65 and a half is where that total closed. And it's dropped significantly now. And it will again as this thing comes back. But think about this. It's 14-10 in the third quarter, and you were looking at a total that was somewhere in the mid-60s, mid to high 60s. It's dropped to in-game 47 and a half. 47 and a half. At some point, it's going to be too low. At some point, you're going to look at this thing and have to hit the over. But are we at that point yet? Two teams that were expected to be in the 30s. And if you believe in the open end of the bowl game theory where we've seen teams that normally don't play each other versus teams that have waited a little bit and the itch to throw, the itch to open it up, even if you're a running team per se. And as Louisville-Mississippi State team is clearly underperforming when it comes to scoring, or at least the expected total. And while nothing, it drops again to 46.5, while nothing is really pushing or motivating you to jam in right here on the over, I think that while you're in the third quarter, 24 total points dropping to 45.5 as we speak, see? The value continues to go away, continues to slip. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not banging on a table, giving out a 900 number. Or is it an 800 number? I don't want to mistake the two, because one of them would be an unfortunate error. But I'm not sitting here giving out anything. You better get in, you better get in, 44 and a half. But think about it, we began the conversation at 47 and a half, what, three minutes ago? How long ago did I start with this in-game number in the third quarter in which I said, you know, there's a lot of value when you look at what this thing closed at in the high 60s to where you are now with the total time. Left in the third quarter on top of the total points scored, which is only 24 points. And now with the drive, it goes back. See, this thing will be fluctuating by three, three and a half points as we speak. It's going to go. It won't go higher unless you get a score. It won't go higher than 47.5. But pending even a field goal, are you really inching closer? The play was the under 47.5 and the over 44.5 when it dropped about four minutes into the conversation. 
Now, as this thing resets and we await the Louisville extra point that should make it 17-14, we'll see as you start to hit now the 30s. I still think that if you got in as far as this live in-game action, you hit the under 47.5, or you waited, smart move, watching Louisville with the football, you waited and took that under, value there. Where you are right now, however, I don't know if you can look at the same level knowing that this thing's going to be in the 50s, probably the low 50s right now, to goad you into this. What are the odds? Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Again, Adam Thompson joins us about 45 minutes from now. 40 minutes, we'll hit the big board, prepare you for all of the early action, the tips, and puck drops, any value we can mine out there. Last thing to look at, of course, Virginia, Florida tonight. Line continues to move. It's now at 15 points. There are a couple of ways you can look at this game here. And I don't think that Kentucky-Virginia Tech is necessarily that one to tack on. But... If you're identifying, let's say, another team here, and let's say you're looking at two other teams that you can identify somewhere between, and I'm only comfortable doing this bare minimum at minus 300. Cincinnati, B.C. did tempt me January 2nd. Don't get me wrong. That probably could move. It's only at minus 280. It probably could move at 300. But, for example... I look at Ohio-Nevada. It's January 3rd, a 3.30 game. Ohio is a minus 3.10 on the money line. Louisiana-Lafayette, minus 5.30 on the money line. You're going to need one more if you go that high on minus 5.30. But if you can find another team that's left right now at minus 300 to minus 3.30, then that's where I think you find the significant value with Florida. Now, What I have, at least in front of me, and looking at a couple of different apps here, I can't find the only other game I could get would be Louisiana Lafayette. So those odds are going to take a significant dip because now you're adding three teams on a money line parlay, and you're assuring this the anchor is Florida beating Virginia. That's just not the loss Florida to Virginia out loud doesn't make sense. It's like me speaking a, a language that I just made up. Nobody would understand it. Only me, and even then I just made it up. That's not going to covering a 15 point line, I would think, based on a disappointing, and some of it is injury related, ending to a season by Florida and kind of a reality to a team that was a top-10 team for a while this season, kind of a punch in the gut as far as where they kind of stand right now, playing on December 30th, not even in that New Year's Day selection, if you will. There is some motivation to punch Virginia, and Virginia's just a bad football team. What happened in the ACC championship game is a strong representation of who Virginia is, not an anomaly or a slip-up. Well, you get them in a bowl game against a better team like Florida, then they'll do okay. They lost to Clemson. Clemson is better than Florida. I understand that. 
but they looked lost, completely disheveled, out of touch, out-coached, out-executed, out-classed, everything out the window when it came to going up against Clemson. They don't have the talent to upset Florida. That's where the money line comes in. So there's no value straight up at minus 640. But what you could do, and again, this is depending on where you get it and where you look at it. What you could do is take University of Louisiana Lafayette. Take Ohio at minus 310. Take Florida at minus 640. The three of them will get you at minus 122. Now all of a sudden you're not looking at terrible odds. For three games that would really stand out as an upset. And let's see. You want to take off that heavy minus 530, that weight around your neck and say, all right, give me something better than that. Unfortunately, you're going to need a third team because the odds will only decrease. You'll drop to minus 189 with Ohio and Florida. So the play here is looking at Florida tonight and being patient and identifying, and in my opinion here, the play would be identifying two other teams that are heavy on the money line. Minus 300 or better, and really what I have now is only two teams. Those are the only ones. You want to take a risk? You want to hit somebody at plus 285? You want to hit Cincinnati at plus 280, 285? Shanda, what the hell's the difference? 20, 15 points. Go ahead. I'm not going to sit here and say, I told you so by any means. In fact, would I be shocked if that one hit and I had to wait until after January and after the everything but the national championship game to see Miami, of all teams, upset Louisiana Lafayette? No, I wouldn't. Not in this era. Not in this bowl game nonsense that we deal with. I would not. But outside of just holding on and which, again... As confident as I am, Cal on the board, so we'll update that as far as if you took that line or under. But I think it's more a matter of, yes, I'm confident Florida can cover a 15-point line. Yes, I'm confident, but at minus 115 versus minus 120, is there really that much of a difference where you know for a fact you're going to get a muddy line victory here? And... Those other two games, while anything risky when you add and tack and create that parlay is going to be a reality. I understand that. Well, you only have one bet that needs to pay off versus three connected. I'd argue that the three are more likely to pay off than the one. Is Virginia? Yes, they are. They are capable at some point, depending on who's in this game, depending on who they're trying to get a touchdown for the back end of this bowl game with Florida with backups in up 21 points yes it's possible yes it's something that Virginia would still be playing their starters in and still be a concern absolutely because we've seen this already in fact was it the UCF game where Marshall and it was I think 30 and a half I got him in game And I'm watching them. It was here. I think it was that Monday night, maybe. See, I get it all confused because normally we're on three nights a week. And last week we rolled me on for that Monday. So there was so much happening in so many bowl games and NFL games that we'll dive really headfirst into after we establish this Florida parlay. And I think that's the better play, personally. Even if you wanted to add and really show some guts. I think that would probably be it. Now, look, you you could do 
Nah, I wouldn't even tempt it. I wouldn't tempt crossing the streams and going into college basketball. As much as you could add a fourth team like, I don't know, Akron, that's going to tip off in 40 minutes taking on UMass. They're minus 470 on the money line. But again, if you're adding a third team, you want to look in the world of college football first, and the risk would be a team like Cincinnati. That's ultimately where I think you would try to find the majority of a payout by all means. Florida's going to win this game outright. Florida, outright, their favorite. Florida's going to win this game. They're going to cover, I believe. But the money line action here, that's where I would go. Even if you wanted to add, look, we'll add Utah, okay? So now you've got four teams involved in this with the anchor of Florida. Louisiana Lafayette as well. And Ohio. So now with these four teams combined, you're at plus 150. At plus 150 for three teams over the minus 300 money line and one that's hovering right there in Utah at minus 280, there again, I think you can start to look at some expanded value with Florida. And even if you want to just bypass all of that and find another bet to look at, I would just suggest you wait. You're... You want to get in 15 points right now, it's not a bad thing to do, but the way in which these bowls have been playing out, especially when something seems to be a lock, and I don't want to sound like a broken record if you've heard me mention this before, but SMU beating Florida Atlantic, stuff like that, lock, lock. Hawaii up huge in the first half against BYU, lock. Stuff like that, just things don't always seem to pan out, and in bowl season, it seems to be even worse. Way more crazy than an NFL week-to-week Sunday action type game. So the value here would be, wait, wait a quarter. See if, in fact, Virginia can come out and shock the world and get on the board first. Wait and see if, in fact, Virginia can get you anything of value to where if they're holding, and maybe it's just a matter of playing defense. It doesn't always have to be getting the first score. It doesn't always have to be putting up a field goal on your first drive. But if Virginia can hold, and it's going to be tough, mind you, this is not an easy task. But again, preparing, discussing, trying to break down analysis on what should happen in these bowl games versus opening up what actually is happening, much different, as we've seen, correct? So... My point would be, and really more of a question, is when you're looking at tonight, how confident can you really be that Florida comes out and steamrolls Virginia? We've seen it really one time. and It was Joe Burrow lighting up Oklahoma. And man, did I sweat a couple things out this weekend, including that. Before we even hit the NFL, it deserves its own segment. I would look at least in-game and see, give it a quarter, see if Virginia can hang. And if not, then you know, even at minus 18, 18 and a half, hell, 21, if Virginia's pounding him, you, or pardon me, Florida's pounding Virginia, then you know the Cavaliers don't have an in them to come back. This isn't something where, oh my goodness, they took their foot off the pedal. LSU took their foot off the pedal of the fourth-ranked team in the country. And their backups were still moving the football down the field effortlessly. Man, did I have a bad read on Saturday. So, I'm doing another show here. Not here specifically, but doing another show. 
watching while on the air. And I can't blame anybody else. I can't blame my producer who was out of Houston or anybody. I tried, but then I went back and listened, and it was totally on me. I saw, as I was talking, I saw and watched Trevor Lawrence get hit in the head. Called for targeting. The defender booted out there. While I disagree that it most likely wasn't targeting, and I'm okay with that, what I saw was the quarterback wobbly. His head got hit, and he was taken to the sideline. Normally... Based off of what I've seen countless times before, when something like that happens, it's usually a strong indication that that quarterback won't be back on the field. Now, what are the odds? Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance, Aton Shander, at Shander Show on Twitter, that Trevor Lawrence would return right away. Well, 100% looking back on it. Minus a million on the money line. Bam! Here comes Trevor Lawrence. And here come the Clemson Tigers. And what you should know is that the very second I saw that head injury, the very second I saw movement from Lawrence towards the sideline, not the huddle, I jumped in Ohio State. Minus nine and a half. Now, if you want to look at what happened, where they got jobbed on that fumble, that should have been a return for a touchdown, etc. Maybe it would have played out, but it didn't, so I'm going on what actually happened. At that point, I pounded that number. Totally just destroyed that number. I'm thinking, minus nine and a half. Trevor Lawrence is out. He's not coming back anytime soon. Ohio State has done a really good job so far of limiting him. What chances, what odds... Does Clemson have with a backup situation here beating Ohio State or even coming close to Ohio State? This is where Ohio State can take advantage of this. The Buckeyes can extend a lead now. And I watched this kid come right back and start leading comeback and start leading touchdown drive. And all of a sudden you think to yourself, well, this is definitely not going to hit. Ohio State minus nine and a half. Pipe dream. That sucker's long gone. That's a memory, a distant memory. That's no longer a dream. That's become a memory. So at one point later in the game, Clemson in-game was minus four and a half. And you never do this, right? You're always told to always stay away from this, and you just lick your chops, you survive, you move on another day. But I got greedy. That was the problem. I looked at Lawrence's injury, and I tried to capitalize. I'm a creep. I'm a terrible guy, but you know what? I take full advantage of what's in front of me when I'm placing a bet. Kid gets hurt, looks like he's out, pound the money. Instead, I needed something to do. I had to counter. I needed a bounce back. So I took Clemson minus four and a half in game. That turned out to be a sweat. As I needed a final drive by Lawrence, who was healthy, mind you, but still needed a final drive just for that sucker to clear. In fact, and I'll end it with this, I have this app that I use to track my sleep. And you set it with an alarm that has about a 25, 30-minute radius where it can wake you up no later than one time and no earlier than the other time. And again, 25, 30-minute radius window, if you will. I have that set up to where 
I put it on ahead of time and make sure that if I know I'm going to pass out, like watching college football late at night on the couch, I at least have it set. It's basically my alarm, right? So you set your alarm. Here's the thing. It tracks how you sleep. It tracks how you breathe. It tracks your snoring. So the microphone is active if I pass out. It also picks up everything else. And I had this piece of audio where I'm clearly knocked out, sawing trees, major snore. And in the background, you hear the call of the game-winning touchdown by Clemson. All of that. For all of that. And then I wake up, of course, you know, three in the morning. Where where am I? What happened? Dogs waking me up trying to go out. 3 a.m. trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Went back, heard that call. Unbelievable. What are the odds Carson Wentz would fall just short when it came to totals for passing yards and touchdowns this season for the Philadelphia Eagles? That next, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Fire up your DVR. It's time for your TV tip-off. For New Year's Eve, there are plenty of choices for countdown specials, including the annual New Year's Rockin' Eve on ABC at 8, 7 central. Also, NBC kicks off their festivities with a toast to 2019, beginning at 8, 7 central on New Year's Eve. And New Year's with Steve Harvey live from Times Square starts at 8, 7 central on, you guessed it, New Year's Eve on Fox. Wednesday, Last Man Standing returns for Season 8, followed by the debut of the police drama Deputy, starring Stephen Dorff and Yara Martinez. The mid-season madness begins at 8, 7 central on Fox. And that's your TV tip-off on iHeartRadio. Let's look at one of the crazier finishes to the NFL season that we've had in a long time. And I could tell you everything that you need to know about the Philadelphia Eagles, but why not let this man hear it? First of all, you guys are the NFC East champions. Hey, and we get to host the playoff game. Enjoy this one. Enjoy this one. But now, hey. You have to reset. Everybody's starting over, okay? You're in the tournament. Anything can happen. Amazing to see a season like that come to an end with the Philadelphia Eagles of all teams on top of the NFC East. Really, in a world where this division is just god-awful, it's one of the worst years that it's seen across the board, and somebody had to win it. But you know what? They did. And as much fun as we've poked at these teams, all of them, all four of them, and mind you, three of four teams in this division, this is how bad the NFC East was this year. Three of four coaches are gone, out. We don't even have enough time, maybe next segment, if we stretch it, to look at the odds of guys coming in for all three of those teams. Ron Rivera apparently was locked into the Skins job, and then I think somebody reminded him, Yo, Ron! It's the Redskins. And Rivera's like, Really? Okay, thank you. 
one of those moments where he was possessed, taken over. Be gone, spirits. Boom, out, out of his head. Wait a second, what the hell was I doing? Thank you, thank you for saving me here. Why would he pass up, if he was truly a candidate for the Dallas Cowboys, why would he pass that up to go to the Redskins? That's how you know he was never truly a candidate for the Dallas Cowboys. Because nobody, oh, well, nobody wants to work for Jerry Jones, the unstable Jerry Jones. You don't know. He's a crazy, he's a maniac, he's a terrible owner. He doesn't, at any given whim, he could go crazy. Daniel Snyder's better? Oh, okay. Daniel Snyder is more stable. Daniel Snyder is a better businessman when it comes to making football-savvy decisions. Look, we make fun of these guys all the time, rightfully so. They couldn't even win the division when the Eagles lost everybody except for Carson Wentz. Everybody except for the quarterback. They could not win the division in Dallas. I get it. But at least they have assembled a team that was close, and they have talent, and there's some promise. The Giants took a running back really high, just like the Cowboys took a running back really high. It's backfired for New York. It has not backfired for the Cowboys yet. What in the world? Why would you pass up the dysfunction for the Dallas Cowboys to take the dysfunction of the Washington Redskins unless you were never really in contention for the job in Dallas? That's it. But you have a ton of movement, expected movement, We'll look at this throughout the week, and next week as we come back and return for a full three days, start to build our own hypotheticals, not only for candidates, but just if, in fact, nobody gets hired by then. But beyond that, just how you've gone from a division that opened up with the NFC East with some promise to truly be in a position where you have... Two teams making the playoffs to now having nothing. One team that had to win the division by default make it into the playoffs. And yes, I have everything in front of me. All four playoff games, odds, totals, money line, everything. But how we got here from yesterday was just astounding. We're through three right now. Cal up 28-13. That is not going to hit that 65.5 under, over. I can tell you that right now. Oh, pardon me. That was the Mississippi State-Louisville game, which is at 31-14. Now, Louisville has first and goal on Mississippi State's eight-yard line. With 12.52 left in the fourth, 48 total points. You had a touchdown, 56. You're, you're getting there. Now you're nine points away, nine and a half technically points away from sweating this out, depending on what side you rode. 65 and a half where this thing closed, and you're looking at 48 points right now pending a score. Now it's first and goal on the eight. So you never know. Mississippi State could get a stop, could change things, and if you ride that under, and that's what you've been hoping for, then you're in pretty good shape. But to be fair, even a touchdown this late, it shouldn't kill you. It shouldn't break your back by any means. The other game, though, and and that's the one that I mistook here as far as the total is concerned. The other game, 28-13, heading into now the fourth quarter. And we mentioned that this total was much lower. This total actually was 48, 47, pardon me, and a half. 
This closed at 47 and a half. You're now at 31 points, 41 points. That's going to be tight. Oh, man. This has to be field goal central right here. Some long, methodical drives that result in field goals. Because that's all I can afford right now, taking the under. See, I wrote that under. And that's all I can afford right now is two field goals that hopefully take a long time to pan out. So, again, there are the totals. There are the updates. 31 now, 14. Mississippi State gets the ball back from Louisville, so they held. And now is Cal and Illinois about to start that fourth quarter. Cal leads 28-13. What happened yesterday from a seeding standpoint, a couple of things jumped out. First, the Philadelphia Eagles surviving and outlasting the rest of the bad teams in the NFC East, winning the division, is still something. I know that there are going to be people trying to downplay the fact that they were in the NFC least. There was still something of value and quality winning your division, hosting a playoff game. And we'll look coming up before we get to Adam Thompson at 7 o'clock, Greg Peterson, 7.30. Before we look at the games ahead, which we will, you have to look at some things that hit yesterday. And one thing I saw that was just such, it was a heartbreaker. And this is, again, stuff always comes down to a point, a half a point. Well, why do they have those half points? Why do they have those hooks? Always comes down to it. Carson Wentz came a half point under his projected, his over-under totals for passing yards and touchdowns. A half point under. Can you, you have this, you're banking on the total. Look, it's not a bad bet going into the season. Not a terrible bet at all. You see Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey's back. He seems healthy. Nelson Aguilar seems like he's all there. You know Zach Ertz is one of the league's best tight ends. Even if you didn't know, which we truly didn't, the extent at least of how deadly Miles Sanders can be, you still know that you can throw to the guy. Just look at his college tape. You can throw to Miles Sanders. There's something there. Oh, by the way, Dallas Goddard, way more than just a backup tight end. One of the game's best number two, if you even want to call him that, tight ends. That's like calling us Lou Williams uh, backup. You have all of this together here. It's not a bad bet at all, I would say, absolutely. Now, no Eagles quarterback has ever thrown for over 4,000, or at least Carson in his career, and you look at that, McNabb thought close to it, but that's it. Banking off that with the team and the talent around him, still with all of the injuries, everybody that went down, still just a half a yard below. Half a yard. Crazy to see how that thing panned out. Now, there was also, beyond the Philadelphia Eagles, you don't, can't even call it stunning at this point. I think it was just four straight playoff games and riding this momentum. You had a couple of eggs, and why not begin, of course, with the New England Patriots, the one in which everybody was loving to a T. Could not get enough of it. The New England Patriots have an opportunity, all they need to do, and we'll get to the Cowboys, trust me, they deserve their own time. All they needed to do was beat the Dolphins, a divisional opponent. Well, divisional games are tough, Aton. You know you're going up against a team that knows you. Okay. Green Bay needed a last-second touchdown to beat Detroit in Detroit. 
just to secure a first round bye. They went down to three points against the Lions. But you know what? They still won the game. Go crazy. You can throw your hands around like George Costanza trying to avoid the Coco nickname, wanting T-Bone. You can gesticulate all you want. Green Bay won the game. And you know what? Miami beat New England. Guess what? New Orleans. They had to go in there and win. They needed, in order to continue to force playoff scenarios, if in fact something went the Opposite way, Sunday night with the Rams and Seahawks. They still needed to win that game. And what did they do? They came in and they pounded a divisional opponent. Well, Carolina knows New Orleans. Yeah, they know New Orleans intimately now after that 42-10 ass-whooping. What are the odds one team would show up, yet it didn't matter? It did not matter. That, the big board next... Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Pick up the remote the next day and turn this thing on, Sports Center or the highlight show that you consume, and say, wow, Gonzaga won by 40. But when you watch a team, when you watch both squads start at zero and see the definition of a race beginning where somebody like me is in the same blocks as somebody like Usain Bolt, And it doesn't take long to realize that those two entities do not belong on the same track, on the same court, what have you. Who knows? You want to wait a little bit. You want to give it five minutes and see if Detroit Mercy can get a bucket or Gonzaga misses a couple of shots. Maybe that drops. But, in fact, if you want to see the more likely scenario play out, Gonzaga opens up on a 12-2 run. You might get Detroit Mercy at 40. Memphis 14.5 laying. Oof, at home against Tulane. I think I'd stay away from that game personally. NBA, now we already gave you one on the big board, so we'll repurpose that number one. Bucks bulls that's an hour from now. Bulls hosting Milwaukee, and here we go. I gave it to you at 7. It's now at 9. This thing is moving. I imagine it's probably not going to move much more, but we saw it at 7 earlier in the day and thought, you know, the Bulls right now, there's no way they're going to be able to duplicate that shoot-the-lights-out night that they had. Nets and Wolves, Brooklyn is a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Minnesota. Now, the two games that are about to tip, Heat-Wizards, Miami's a ten-and-a-half-point favorite in Washington. Hawks-Magic, oof, two teams, man. Atlanta playing no D, uh, Orlando can't score, and the Magic are a ten-point Home favorite. Wow, that does seem high, doesn't it? And I get it. Orlando's not a bad basketball team like the Hawks are a really bad team. And the Magic have played better at home, night and day better at home, than they have against anybody else on the road. So this is the equivalent of a good basketball team at home. That's what line is you're getting right here. That just seems to be way too much. I think I like my chances. If I'm looking at a game that's about to tip, Orlando laying 10 at home. I like the Hawks. You know the Hawks are going to be able to get buckets. They're not going to be able to defend well. They can't defend at all. But that's where Orlando trying to extend a lead in the fourth quarter. That's where the inability to shoot consistently or maybe make some buckets consistently is going to prevent the, or I should say prevent Atlanta from not securing that backdoor cover.
That's what secures or at least ensures Atlanta from covering this game nine, eight points. Suns and Blazers late when Portland is laying four and a half. The total there is interesting. As we know, Phoenix is a really good defensive team on the road. Totals at 231. Mm, that would think I have an indication here. Based on that total being so high, there's a belief that Phoenix is due for a letdown defensively on the road. They're not a great team overall on the road, but defensively, they do play well. Adam Thompson is red hot. The numbers are through the roof. And we're going to talk to him coming up. Sent me another email. And I just, I cannot believe that this guy hit so many games this year. So, looking at this right now, 31-11 and 11 over his last 42 best bets. That's a 74% clip. 3-1. and one, It just continues to build and build. The biggest thing that I see here is, and I'm looking at this right now, 84-61. and 61 Last 145 against the spread. That's 58%. The best bets on the season. Last 53. The last 53 best bets. 38 and 15. Adam is on bookies.com. That's where you read all his stuff. He's joined us every Monday night. Ahead of Monday Night Football. He's been on fire. Over the weekend, we've maintained that you should be reading his stuff leading up to the games on Sunday. Now with the playoffs, we have four games to hit with Adam. We have a lot to look back on, some things that he hit. I know for a fact that both of us were off on the Browns, but I think... To Adam Thompson's credit, he'll be joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. To Adam's credit, he hit everything else. What are the odds that Adam Thompson has the Seattle Seahawks beating the home dog Philadelphia Eagles? Well, we'll find out that and a bunch more next on Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler. I'm Aton Shander. It's presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Scored enough points. It was a close game, and you know they were literally two inches away from... Uh not only covering but winning, but uh, I like that one going in. I like the I like the Raiders getting it uh, done. Oh man, you know, they had, they that had came to down door. to I it guess, though, right? Yeah, that was uh, that was a luck. That was lucky. Uh, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, the Broncos just couldn't get out of their own you know way. Eventually, you know, Raiders, you know, sixteen to six for a long time. That was an ugly game, but uh, you know, they were getting three and a half. So I was just hoping. Once they scored that touchdown, they would go for the two-point conversion with nothing to play for at that point, and then either way, I'm okay. And uh, fortunately, that's what happened. So let's look at a couple of other games that you hit and kind of why they played out. You gave us the Raiders, and again, that definitely came down to it. Where else did you hit, and mainly from a center of confidence, if you will? Yeah, the Falcons I liked, uh, it was basically pick them against the Buccaneers. But, you know, they've been playing, you know, so well the second half of the season. And, you know, Jameis Winston, you know, he was uh, he was on track for 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, and 30 picks. You know, the last play, you know, no, no player has ever gone out on a more appropriate note than Winston did, throwing a pick six to end the game. Amazing. <laughs> you know, his, his seventh one, it's uh, his 30th pick of the season. Uh, you know, he's breaking all sorts of records in, in every direction. But I like I like Atlanta. They just you know they've been playing the second half of the season the way we expected them to be playing, be playing all season. It just took you know a little too long for them to get warmed up. And Winston didn't have his you know his top target still. So you know I like I like that one. I like the I like the Saints 
also I didn't uh, they weren't one of my best bets but I did like uh, I like them a lot and I like I took the over was one of my top bets just because I knew the Orioles was going to score 40 right you know you just had to hope that Carolina could do you know hold up their end of the bargain to get to the over and uh fortunately the coach pulled the trigger on Will Greer because he was not going to get to 10 <laughs> with him in there he he was one of eight for four yards before they pulled him. And fortunately, uh, Allen came in and uh, at least got the Panthers on the board twice. So that was good for the over uh, and the cover for the Saints. Absolutely. And that's that's a tough one because as much as we've seen New Orleans just steamroll teams and not even allow teams back into it, Carolina has been such a difficult team to figure out. And just the example of the obvious with the Green Bay and the Detroit Lions game where everybody thought, oh, come on, all you need to do is beat the Lions and you've got a first-round bye, and that sucker came down to the end in which they escape with a three-point victory. Now, you did not have that one, correct? I, I picked the Lions in, in the I – do, I do every pick for bookies.com, all, all 16 games, and then I kind of pick my top five after that. But that was when I, I liked the Lions and the points, actually. I, did, I got 13 points uh, with the Lions. Green Bay has struggled against Detroit. They haven't covered in uh, four in a row against them. They should have lost to them at Lambeau earlier this year. They lost by one. So Detroit, uh, you know, that's kind of their top rival. You know, the Packers don't consider the Lions their top rival by any stretch, but the Lions consider the Packers their top rival. So they get they get up for that game, you know, more than uh, more than others, especially, you know, end of the season. Their coach is coming back. Uh, you know, they're playing for pride in front of their home fans. Uh, what was left of them, basically, it sounded like a pro Packers uh, crowd in Detroit, but. You know, I think I think they just got up for it. They gave it their all and uh, just came up short. You know, I think Cali came through in the end, but. Yeah, it was a it was a close game. Adam Thompson joining us, bookies.com at underscore Adam underscore Thompson underscore on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline, Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. It's Fox Sports Radio The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. I believe you had the Jets and the Bears as well, both getting points. I know we talked about this on a different show. Both of us love the Jets, right? I'm just trying to remember, because you and I yep. talk every week. We also talked on the other show, so I don't want to conflate two different conversations on two different shows. But from what I remember, we were both pretty high on the Jets. Yeah, I actually I went 11-5 and five on my 16 uh, against the spread uh, grid picks, uh, so to speak, where you pick every game. Nice. Yeah, the Jets... Uh, you know, the Bills, you know, we're kind of playing coy. Well, we don't know who we're going to play. We may play some starters. We'll see. They actually did play Josh Allen for a little bit, but, you know, they had nothing to play for. What are, you know, what would they be doing putting in any of their starters? And, you know, the Jets, uh, you know, have been a disappointment, but, you know, Darnold has had his, you know, moments. Le'Veon Bell is still a decent running back uh, to some extent. That's a great defense that they had. You know, it was a, it was a brutal game to watch. It was terrible. <laughs> it was it was a week 17 game between two teams that didn't really want to be there anyway. But, uh, you know, that when you take the, you know, you take the points when, <laughs> when it's that situation. So, yeah, that, that came through in the end. And, uh, yeah, same with the Bears. It, That's know. a, yeah. That was another yeah. one that, that I was not surprised because this point in the season, you say take this team, uh, me and anybody else who's been paying attention to you will take that team. But I, I did not expect, I put it that way, to see the Bears on that docket. Right. I took the Bears plus seven and a half. I got them on Monday. Oh, my goodness. Afternoon. That dropped before, to two, I think, right? Yeah, it did. It did. 
Uh, minus two, I think, right? I can't remember. Uh, no, I got him. Oh, wait, and you know what? Plus two? I, no, you know, I think I think you're right. I think it did close minus. How did that line yeah. move? Because you already knew Dalvin Cook was out, right? Right, Dalvin Cook was out, but I took it before the Monday night game against the Packers because I just had a feeling, okay, they're not going to be – or no, it was, it was a Sunday game. Yeah, I don't know why it moved that much, actually. I can't remember, but – you know, it closed it's, at plus two. So plus two. Plus two. Okay. Yeah, it was plus seven and a half to start. Okay. I didn't, I didn't, that makes I, a little more sense, that. but still, if you got it at plus seven and a half pre-loss to Green Bay, then it would make more sense that it would drop to plus two. Yeah. No, this would have been Monday. I think this was a Monday lock that I had uh, last week. Oh, man. So, yeah, just a bizarre, you know, it, it was just too many points, and you knew Minnesota, you know, wasn't moving in, in either direction. And, you know, the Bears want to finish on a high note, give Trubisky something to, to work on. They nearly lost. <laughs> it was a, What's the Bears? Know, not, not a great number of the Bears, yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't pretty, but they got it done. All right, before we look at the four games in front of us, the weekend, the wild card round, and we'll kind of separate the team that I'll ask you about and look ahead in a minute, but let's just look at what happened and how they got here. You did have the Philadelphia Eagles minus four in this game. A lot of us here in Philadelphia had the Eagles as well. They sweat it out a little bit, but they pull away in the fourth. Yeah, that was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I mean, you never know. I mean, the Eagles obviously haven't been playing the, their best ball all year, I guess you could say. They're, they're just injury ravaged, and they're just barely beating teams that you know you expect them to be to be beating, but you know, now the season's on the line. They took care of the Cowboys. You know, the confidence needs to be sky high here. And you know, Saquon, you know, you knew he's gonna get his at some point and he did. But they limited him enough and then they kinda of pulled away. You know, that was a that was a good win. I'd like the I like the Cowboys too, minus ten and a half I got him at against a Washington team that uh, eventually was just kinda of gonna, you know, give up basically and that's right. kinda of what happened. You know, it was close for a while, but you could just See that it wasn't going to stay close, and uh, you know, it was a blowout city the second half and beyond. Absolutely. So let's look now. Let's start in reverse. The Eagles are now home dogs to the Seattle Seahawks. You brought up both teams as far as how they fared on Sunday, knowing the Seahawks are banged up. Eagles probably the most banged up team in the NFL, at least the most playoff bound banged up team in the NFL. This is a tight line here, Adam. And the Eagles are getting points at home. I see it at one and a half here in PA. Do you like Philadelphia? I do like Philadelphia. Actually, I'm I'm jumping back on the bandwagon here. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, Carson yeah, Wentz yeah. brought you back. He did. He was back from that. Well, Zach Ertz needs to play in this game. That's a that's one you know obviously huge step because Seattle has struggled mightily against tight ends all year. They ranked 31st. Against tight ends in receptions allowed, and 31st in yards allowed to tight ends. So get Ertz out there, get you know Gator out there if he can uh, go to, if he can play, and uh, you know have at it Carson Wentz because you, know, you can't rely on the receivers. But Wentz has been getting it done without having to rely on his receivers. I still like Miles, uh, you know Sanders. I still think he's the future. If Jordan Howard can be that number two guy and change of pace guy, I think. Uh, you know, that'd be big for them. And Seattle, you know, they've lost three or four, including two, you know, 14-plus losses to the Cardinals and Rams to end it. You know, their one win in the last four weeks was against the Panthers, and that was by six. You know, they have the 26th-ranked uh, 
defense. Uh, you know, they got crushed by uh, this Michael Kendricks, twenty oh, right. one of their top linebackers. That's a huge loss. Like I said, with uh, you know the lack of running back depth, you know Marshawn Lynch uh, is a nice uh, week seventeen pickup, but it's hard to you know expect him to do what you know Carson's been doing all season long. I think uh, you know I think you know this is a this is the Eagles' time. I think they're at home. I think they can continue on. They've won four in a row. I think they they make it five in a row. It's two actually where I see it now here in PA, and I wonder two. if since we have the benefit of it being a four forty Eastern kick on Sunday, do you think the Eagles get it to three? Do you think that because part of me thinks that by the time it hits two and a half. So many people locally and, and really beyond are going to catch on and say, wow, two and a half points and bet it so that even if it's at three, I can't see it being at three long before the Eagles start to lose some points. Yeah, that seems, uh, that seems well, I mean, you know, Seattle went in there and won earlier this year. So people can look right at that if people are just looking at that box score and say, well, they beat them by eight, you know, earlier in the year. That's uh, <laughs> they're only. You know, laying one and a half year, you know, why not? I guess, you know, and people like Russell Wilson, obviously, but, you know, if I remember that game correctly, it was a slog fest, right? It was, yep. a, you know, the weather wasn't any good, and neither team could really get anything going, and it was just, you know, just one of those games that you could really almost write off when you, uh, when you look at, you know, how both teams, you know, did this season, which is kind of what I did. You know, it's a, I went the opposite of instead of, instead of saying, how did these teams face off against each other? I just kind of said, you know, that game means nothing because neither team could really establish anything in this weather. You know, injuries were just a, a disaster. Then they still are now for for both sides. But yeah, I like I like Philly at home, I and mean, they're not uh, they're not the best home team. Seattle's actually seven and one on the road this year, but all their games have been close. Seattle, uh, I think uh, I think Philly finds a way. Adam Thompson joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Eitan Shander. Adam, of course, with bookies.com. Vikings, we just talked about Minnesota jumping in on that Bears line ahead of time. Dalvin Cook or not, a seven and a half point line for New Orleans at home just seems like it's. I'll take. I feel like I could take New Orleans minus ten at this point. Ten and a half. That's a different story with the hook. But seven and a half. Come on, Adam. You have to feel confident in the Saints here. Uh, I don't actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Saints. Uh, the, Saints are, the Saints are as dominant as any team right now. They're averaging forty a game over the last month. Nobody's been able to really uh, slow down. You know that, but. But, uh, you know, first off, Dalvin Cook needs to play. You know, he, he has to suit up, and it sounds like he's going to. But when he plays, and Adam Thielen's also out there, and Stephon Diggs is also out there, they're 7-2, and two, the Vikings are, the season. So, you know, they've, you know, it's been a while since they've had everybody uh, playing in meaningful games. But when all those guys are out there, they're pretty good. The Saints, you know, they're, like I mentioned, they're hot as anybody. But as home favorites, actually just as favorites in the playoffs, they haven't covered in four straight. So I think uh, I think typically they've been getting more points than they should be getting. I guess you could say as far as these playoff games go. So I think you know if you can get eight points on them, I like it. I think that'll probably go up. I think this is a game you could probably wait on if you like Minnesota, and it might get to eight and a half. It might get to nine. I don't know if you're going to get to ten, but it's already rising. But uh, you know, as of right now, I gotta. I guess they'll break it down a little bit, but as of right now, I kind of I kind of lean towards Minnesota actually. Not bad. All right, let's look at the Titans and Patriots, and I definitely like what you're saying as far as waiting out Minnesota. By all means, if you can get another point, maybe even a point and a half. Titans and Patriots, it's a five point 
New England line. A little bit of a odd number for me. I, I did not expect this thing to be at five. I know New England loses to Miami, and I don't know if that dropped it to maybe like a six and a half point to five. But how do you see this line, and where do you fare on it? Yeah, it's a you know I saw it at five and a half. If you just kind of look at it and you're like, oh, what does it mean? Even you know, it's, right? It's kind of that weird number that doesn't really do much for you, but. You know, this is two teams definitely heading in opposite directions. I mean, one of them is the Patriots, so you still got to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're the defending champs until somebody beats them. But, you know, they're 4-4 four and four in the last eight games. They're averaging 21 points a game over the last eight games. So this is an offense that just isn't clicking, and, you know, they're, they're just not meshing. Brady isn't meshing with any uh, specific wide receiver. Uh, the run game has not been there. You know, James White out of the backfield as a receiver has been really their best weapon. Meanwhile, you got you know Tennessee. They're seven and three since Tannehill took over at quarterback. They're averaging over thirty-three points a game in the last seven weeks. This is just one you know, one team heading in one direction, one team heading in the other direction, and uh, you know you still got to give you know some benefit of the doubt. It's going to be at Foxborough. It's going to be a late game, so we'll see uh, you know how that does. Belichick is eleven and zero against uh, first-time playoff quarterbacks. If that makes sense. Yes. So. I mean, I but I I like Tennessee here. I think they're just uh, they're just trending in the right direction. Derrick Henry is running people over. You know, Tannehill's Tannehill doesn't get shaken that much, so I think he'll be able to handle it. You know, obviously the Patriots have a great defense, but I'm taking Tennessee at the points right now. Uh, the one game that I would not want to touch at all, we have the Bills and Texans, and from two and a half to three, I see it here with the Texans, of course as the home favorite. I don't know where you stand on this one. It just seemed like such a tough game to really analyze. Yeah, I I lean towards if you can get three points with the Bills, I, I like that. Because this is you know, JJ Watt might be back, but I don't know, he can't help everything that's wrong with this Houston defense. They ranked twenty ninth against the pass and twenty fifth against the run. So, you know, that's a that's not good for for a playoff team. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, you know, I think he can hurt Houston uh, with his feet, especially, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson destroyed Houston running, you know, running as bad as a passing, you know, Houston had no idea what was going on. I think Buffalo can take a page out of that. Uh, you know, they're kind of a poor man's uh, Ravens a little bit, but, yep. you know, plus they've, they've been, uh, they've been perfect on the road against the spread. They're six Oh and two. They have covered or pushed every road game the Bills have this season. Houston's only 2-6 and six against the spread at home this year, so they're one of the worst home teams when it comes to covering. The Bills are literally the best road team uh, in terms of the spread, so if you can get three points, I think that's a good number to grab Buffalo. I, you know, Worst-case scenario, you might push, but I, uh, I think they can win that game outright. Awesome, Adam. Always appreciate the weekly chat, and we've got playoff football now to examine both what happens this weekend and looking ahead to the divisional rounds as well next Monday. Thank you, sir. Sounds fun. Thanks, Adam. You got it. Adam Thompson, bookies.com, at underscore Adam, underscore Thompson, underscore Greg Peterson, Visa Network, is going to join us coming up in eight minutes. This story did pop from Bruce Arians himself making the story, so this isn't a report or anything like it. But Bruce Arians ain't going anywhere down in Tampa, despite a disappointing season, said he doesn't really know. He doesn't have any real strong conviction on whether or not Jameis Winston was fueling the offense or holding it back. 
He was asked today, Monday, if the Bucks could win with another quarterback. And Arians said, quote, another quarterback? Oh, yeah. If we can win with this one, we can definitely win with another one, too. We're going to have this defense. So Bruce Arians is looking at Jameis Winston, who could be owed some money here, or could be bounced with the swiftness, where they have no tie whatsoever at this point after completing his rookie contract. There's no immediate decision that needs to be made. But ask yourself this question. What are the odds? And we've seen this actually be put out earlier in the season. But what are the odds that Jameis Winston is back? You just heard from Bruce Arians that quote that I read. Oh, yeah, another quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. Look, if we can win with this guy, we can win with another one. Which is basically saying, if we can pull out a victory with a guy who is prone to throw an interception at any given time, do you realize, do you understand the nerves in your stomach? Do you understand how difficult it would be to coach somebody who at any given moment can make the biggest mistake of the game and just destroy all the work, all the preparation, everything that led up to that game can destroy it? At the same time, and this is what adds to the tension in Bruce Arians and other people's stomachs on the sidelines, at the same time, the guy can make a magnificent throw and put you up. He giveth, he taketh away, 30 for 30, all the stuff that surrounds this ridiculous, crazy year that Jameis Winston had. But that right there tells me flat out he ain't coming back. Winston's got Bruce Arians has had enough. He's seen it enough. What more do you want to see right now? What more do you need to see for a guy who is just throwing interception after interception? The 30 touchdowns are nice. Don't get me wrong. They're nice. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. But you cannot. You just refuse if you're a head coach. But as a quarterback, you cannot survive turning the ball over that way. You can't win games. You can't make it to the playoffs. You cannot overcome that level, that poor level of decision-making to which Jameis Winston is prone to every single snap. It's not even every single week. It's every single snap. And, yeah, the guy could drop back and throw huge numbers. Fantasy, you see, is a monster. But there's also the component, and that goes to Bruce Arians' comment about we can win with another quarterback, of having a healthy Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, that right there should allow a lot of quarterbacks, training wheels, to drop back and throw. You can protect quarterback X, quarterback Y, quarterback Z. You may not see a difference, a true difference in stats, so long as you can protect them because, hey, you're throwing at two guys that should be over a 1,000 yards every year. So long as they're healthy and out there on the field, no issue. Godwin and Evans make this much easier. Can you imagine what would Jameis Winston's numbers be if he had the Philadelphia Eagles skill set? Like if he had the Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers and current no Zach Ertz tight end. Just look at who Carson Wentz was throwing to in the New York Giants game. If Jameis Winston had that crew for a week, I'd love to examine what it would be like over a month, four-week stretch. But if Jameis Winston was throwing to those guys that Carson Wentz was throwing to on Sunday against the Giants, Winston would have nine picks at least in that game. Nine picks. The over-under would be six and a half. 
Six and a half. He's throwing a guys on a practice squad. Carson Wentz, at least, is throwing two guys or throwing guys open. Winston, uh, you know, we didn't really practice that, Coach. I don't know what the hell that guy was doing. Bro, it was a screen pass. Come on. You threw it down the field 40 yards into somebody's chest. That guy was wearing a different color jersey. We're wearing white. They're wearing green. What are the odds Jameis Winston is back next year with the Tampa Bay Bucks? Minus 500, no. Plus 300, yes. This is not going to be a re-signing of a rookie, an extension of a rookie deal. It's not going to happen. Greg Peterson, Visa Network, next. Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto and Money line at minus maybe 300. This would be a nice anchor in a three-team parlay. But just as far as the game itself, I don't have any confidence at all in Virginia. I don't know how it's been bet out in Vegas so far, but I imagine that... It's pretty much a he- I would guess I should say it's pretty much a heavy favorite for Florida. Yeah, Florida is finding themselves a heavy favorite. I've been seeing some sixteens out there as well, and this is one of these spots where I would have to be taking a look at the underdog just because with Florida, needless to say, they've been quite inconsistent, and this got bet very heavily for Florida because this opened up with Florida laying thirteen and a half total of fifty four. Now you're seeing mostly totals of 55 to even as high as 56 at some point. And like I was saying, between 15 and a half and 16 is what you're laying with Florida. I think that this is a buyback spot here for Virginia if you like them because I actually do like what Perkins has been able to do as a dual threat. He has been very solid for this team, obviously, with Florida. They had their quarterback issues at the beginning of the year. They seem to find a little bit of something. But with Florida, I just feel like the – Effort is inconsistent. I love what Dan Mullen is doing. He's been a terrific head coach. He always gets his team fired up. He's always given it 110%. So motivation I don't think is going to be an issue with Florida, but I just think that Virginia is a squad that's going to be able to hang around on defense, and I do think that it's going to be a little bit hard for Florida to be able to contain Perkins, so I'd be looking at the points. Oh, man, this does not bode well for my small unit, of course. Florida to win all four quarters at plus 200. I, I do not feel good about that one now, Greg. Thank you. Well, are you in a situation where they must win every last one of them, or if there's a push, are you still alive? That I do not know. Now, how does that normally play? Is that something that's usually defined in the bet? Because I got this off the FoxBet app here in PA, and what FoxBet does is they allow people to suggest custom bets, and then they create the odds for them. So that was a custom bet for Florida to win all four at plus 200. A push, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know if a push kills me. Yeah, because if you're laying a half a point every quarter, then they would need to win every quarter by at least one point. If it would be more of like... I would say what your generic money line would be, pick, something like that. Then you'd probably be good with a push. So that is something that you always want to take a look at with regard to some of these bets because there is a very high chance that we're going to see just one of these quarters in which there's like a three to three quarter, right. or ten to ten quarter, or something like that. So always want to have that added protection. Very good point, Greg. All right, let's look at this gigantic line tonight. Is there any scenario at all in which you can conceivably tell the audience here listening, Detroit Mercy at plus 33.5 is a good play? I actually took Detroit Mercy at 32. <laughs> nice. So I am on board. Nice. You've got a guy, Antoine Davis. He's averaging 25 points per game. 
Now, he's a volume shooter. He shoots 35% from the floor while pouring in their 25 points per game. He gives out more turnovers than Sierra Lee Bakery at right around five per game. But with that said, is Gonzaga really going to be gassed up and going to try to just absolutely run this team into the ground? You have to take a look at motivation here. I think that Gonzaga is going to win this game, and they're going to win this game convincingly. But if it's like a 25-point game with three minutes to go, you got to think that all the walk-ons are going to be out there. The parents are cheering because the little walkie McWalk-on is out there. He gets to finally get the ball in his hands <laughs> in an actual college basketball game. It's just one of these situations in which Gonzaga is going to win. They're going to win convincingly. 32 points to me was too many. Now 33 and a half. You just really need an absolute blow-by. And with Detroit, they've actually been playing a tad better on defense. We've noticed their possessions per game has been going down a little bit. So it's one of these situations where you just have to take the points of this spot. It's just really hard to lay 30-plus points with any college basketball team. I'm sold. Locked in. All right, Memphis tonight. I see it at 14, 14 and a half depending on where I can get it locally here. Do you like Memphis laying 14.5 against Tulane? And in Vegas, this actually opened up a little bit bigger. As it opened up with Tulane catching 16. Now Oof. what I'm seeing is pretty much what you're seeing, mostly 14.5, seeing 115 out there in Vegas as well. But this is a spot where I actually do like what Tulane has been doing. Ron Harder comes in as their new head coach. He's brought in a lot of guys like a Tashawn Hightower he was a guy that last year was playing for Georgia, and he's been a little bit of a Swiss Army knife, pouring in there over 16 points, solid three-point shooter with Memphis. They have looked incredibly impressive in their last couple games, but it's not too hard to look impressive against the privateers of New Orleans and then also <laughs> a school that just lost by 20-plus points once again today in Jackson State. So, I mean, it is a situation which you have to take a look at Tulane. They are battle-tested. They played against the likes of Mississippi State and company when they were out there in South Carolina, and they actually played quite well, getting a win over Utah in a game as well. So I do think that this is a bunch that is not going to be intimidated by Memphis. With Memphis, you've also got just a ton of freshmen that have yet to play a conference game. I actually do think that there's value here with the points with Tulane. All right, so it's in-game right now, and I know it's happening as we speak, but just to kind of get some thoughts, if you can, Greg, and, and some of it based, I guess, on where this line closed to start the game, but we've got an eye, of course, here in Philadelphia on Villanova. They're leading, and again, this is happening as we speak, on an official TV timeout now, 38-29 with 15:42 left in the second. I can get Xavier at plus 9.5 in-game. They haven't really been able to kind of close out that lead I wonder if there's any value there I'm not really thinking so as a matter of fact my article for the New York Post today was advocating for a play on Villanova wow. right around minus five and a half minus six I really like what I'm seeing out of the Wildcats bunch just because with Xavier who out there is really going to give you those shots to be able to keep this thing within single digits Xavier ranked in the mid 270s with regards to three-point shooting coming into this game as we know, Villanova, you've got so many guys that are able to do a little bit of everything. Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been terrific for this team. And right now, from what I'm seeing, he's only got five points in this game. And Villanova, they've been a little bit underachieving from the three-point arc so far. Three of 14. I actually expect that to heat up. I would actually be looking at a live total because with Villanova, 
This is a bunch that they have gotten to 78 points in all but two of their games so far this year. I could see them really putting on a run in the second half. I would not be looking at Xavier. Greg Peterson joining us on the Dr. Glatt. Regrow your hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. We started at 6 Eastern, and one of the plays, and it's just a suggestion, we talked through them, one of the plays that we had was, because it dropped from 7.5 to 6.5 rather quickly here, at least in PA, was Yale getting the points against UNC. So we closed at 6.5. I know they're trailing 6 right now by 6 late in the first half. Did you like that play ahead of time? And do you think that there might be some in-game value with Yale keeping this close against UNC? I actually took UNC in this spot because with UNC, you've just got so many great rebounders on this team, like in Armando Baycott, Garrison Brooks. And you had a feeling because Cole Anthony right now out the floor for North Carolina, he's going to be for a while, but Roy Williams has had a lot of time to be able to get things in line. And, North Carolina is right now leading this game by six points, despite shooting just one of six from three-point range. And we know this about North Carolina. Roy Williams always wants his team to be playing very up-tempo, very frenetically. And the reason why they're able to do this is because they're always able to win the battle on the glass. And that's right now happening in this game, as right now they're out-rebounding Yale by a count of 24-18. to I expect a little bit more of the same. And with North Carolina, another thing that they're exploiting the fact that Yale just does not do a good job of being able to get swiped. North Carolina, despite no Cole Anthony, two turnovers right now in the first 18 or so minutes of the game. If Yale can't get, can't get those turnovers and they're a team that they just don't generate steals to begin with, I just don't see them being able to come back and cover this number. Greg, awesome stuff tonight, man. I really appreciate this. Do it again soon. Yes, anytime, my friend. Always look forward to it. You got it. Greg Peterson joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. And you can follow Greg on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. I want to hit on something he mentioned with Gonzaga and Detroit Mercy. Coming up next, Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance.